Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Thank you again for joining us for yet another session of Speculate on this channel, uh, Arvin Elrond. We are about to get into more Girl by Moonlight shenanigans in session five of Girl by Moonlight Fractals Fire, our uh, Speculate special event on this channel. I will remind, of course, everyone that you can support Speculate and the cool stuff that we do here, including but not limited to ensuring that we can go live in a consistent manner on a regular basis in the future by checking out our Patreon at patreon.com slash speculate and on Twitter, speculate uh, at speculatesf uh, and our website, speculatesf.com. Your support allows us to continue doing these cool things, including but not li limited to play a game that Evil Hat has not even released yet. And thank you again to Evil Hat for sponsoring this uh, series, because this game is really rad and we like doing the thing. But, uh, so we can do the thing, finally, I will ask all of these lovely people to please introduce yourself to all the lovely people in chat by telling everyone who you are, what you do, and who you will be playing this evening, starting with Mike. Hello, everybody. I'm Michael Underwood, and I'm also running production today. So, great. Everything is fine. We're learning on the job. I wrote this book. <laughs> it's coming back out on Tuesday. I'm very excited. Uh, this is my debut. It's a book about where a world where loving things is a superpower. It was not subtle. I'm re-releasing all of those books. I'm one of the co-hosts to Speculate, along with Brandon and Greg, a.k.a. Arv. And in this game, I am playing Vic Sains, the Guardian. He can pronounce for me, they, them, for Vic, except when things are bad. Except when things are bad, duly noted, because things are going to get weird in a bit. But next, Valerie. Hello, everyone. I am Valerie Valdez. She, her pronouns. I'm the author of Chilling Effect, Prime Deceptions, and the forthcoming Fault Tolerance books that pair super well with mics. If you like Kikomancy, you will probably like my books and vice versa. I am playing Nina Lopez, the unlikely hero, and she is having a really bad day, friends. Yes, it's been particularly tough. I'm sorry. Next, Yoi. Hello, hello. Yoi Gawain Lin. He, they pronouns for me, gay man fiction writer. And tonight I shall be playing Vermilion Jingwei Ruth, the outsider, he, they pronouns for Ruth as well, although it is mostly he, because he looks like a he, and this world just functions that way. And, last but not least, Iori. Who's no Iori? They, them. Clarion West 2017, writer and Yu-Gi-Oh! duelist, and today, as always, I am playing Cat Holly the Time Traveler. Nice. Thank you. And as for me, I am our very frazzled GM, Brandon O'Brien, pronouns he, him, or they, them. I am very excited to do the thing. Now that we are running just a little bit late, we just get first into our recap. When last we left our dream nights uh, in our last session of Fractal's Fire, they had, as usual, a terrible day at work. School sucks and is terrible to all of its uh, children in ways that made our good friend Vic very upset. But Vic got an opportunity to at least help one young person find their way through exactly how much that sucks. Both WandaTech and Rapido are still very uncomfortable places to work, but we also discover that Cloud Harbor is a terrible place to drive, which is also very upsetting. And of particular import is that Monsieur Andrews is unfortunately wrapped up in what seems to be a yet unestablished 
social media fracas that has yet to be deal that has yet to be essentially very effectively dealt with. And while all of that is taking place, our previous enemy, now mild, awkward anti-hero Dice Calendrine, passed through very briefly to share some fundamental some key points of information with three of our four Dream Knights, while Cat is still at some new receiving visions, briefly being gifted by the Oracular. At which point in time, Dice not only uh, alerts our uh, Dream Knights that the conspiracy is very physically hostile and trusts a lot of people who uh, Dice does not know with the responsibility to literally frighten people in their dreams into performing certain roles in society. But before Dice can give any more information, they're ambushed by two unknown assailants who break into Monsieur, attempt to, and fail, to defeat Ruth in hand-to-hand combat, perform some weird magic that cannot be qualified, and then disappear. And we enter the scene just as the camera that pans out of the broken window of Monsieur Andrews's lingers outside of this uh, cafe for a very brief moment in time as we get to witness the street lamp outside that is flickering uncontrollably, the shattered glass, and the very vague semblance of its shattered pieces lying on the pavement outside the cafe that we can still acknowledge is making the same peculiar, repeating, fractal eye symbol that we have seen so many times before. And then the camera starts slowly panning back inside the building. And as it does, we actually begin to see those pieces of glass slowly start spinning back up into the air and reforming into larger pieces until it just kinds of falls back solid into the window, as if it had never broken at all. And as we continue back into Monsieur, we see Ruth still fighting these two masked, suited assailants inside the cafe. But it looks very weird and off. It's still very obvious that Ruth is winning this fight, but it's less obvious that it's a fight anymore. You're seeing limbs moving, but it doesn't seem like anything's connecting with anything. It seems actually like the reverse of a fight is taking place at this moment. We see individuals who were previously running out of the cafe slowly settling back down as they sit into their seats, as if nothing particularly shocking or alarming is happening right beside them. And as all of this happens, the camera continues to move throughout the cafe until it escapes through one of the side doors, one of the staff backup entrances to Monsieur Andrews's, and rushes down several streets until we get to a bathroom mirror insomnia, where Cat is presently holding a card from the Deck of Reveries that just appeared to her. When you are looking at this card, there is a thought that emerges, like, 
on your lips about, like, the very upsetting and troublesome reading of this card in your hand. What are the words that you say when you are looking at this card? It's better not fucking awaken anything in me. Um, (laughs) as you say that, you notice every time that you've ever held a physical card from this deck before, it is typically a black back with some gold, mildly iridescent inlay. You've seen what these cards look like when dream magic is attempting to affect it in the real world. Sometimes those things look different. Sometimes it's not seeing any inlay at all, just seeing like these transparent lines that allow you to glance all the way through the card. Sometimes the iridescence is so strong that it looks like you're holding a piece of paper that literally has lines of rainbow light cast through it. Sometimes it feels harder or softer or warmer or colder to the touch. Each time is different, but each time is an indication that a thing is about to happen and that the card has decided that it's happening and not you. What is happening to this card at this moment when you're holding it? Its texture has gone weird. The first thing Kat notices is how the physical texture is changing. The card does not feel solid in the way that the card should. It's starting to turn into something that feels like she is holding cotton candy, almost. When you've had cotton candy in your hand for too long, and it is melting and leaving that residue over your fingers. You notice as a result that it feels almost like warmly sticky as well. And you notice on the tips of your fingers, like, something that looks like black ink, but looks very, very thick. Almost like plasmid is lingering on the tips of your fingers. And when you look at that, that's when you realize, wait a minute, didn't I do this already? It occurs to you very briefly as a result. You have another card here. Where is it? It is blue tacked to the inside of the lid of the toilet tank. (laughs) Okay. You notice in the bathroom mirror that even though the toilet tanks in this bathroom are brand new porcelain, a beam of pink light is shooting through it as if it were glass from the exact place where you have left this card. At least it's pink light and not pink mold, so (laughs) let's open it up and get this card out, since apparently the deck is demanding that we deal with it. Okay, you open the tank. The place where this card is supposed to be, the card is now entirely transparent. You can still see the shape of it, you can still see that something is drawn and written on it but you can't read it because it's just pure, like, glassy, capturing light at this point. It seems like it's reflecting this... Is it still physically tangible? It's still physically tangible. Great, let's just get that off the blue tack right now because I don't want to risk, like, the blue tack also getting all all weird. I don't want to bring more in from home. It's a pain. Mm Mm-hmm. You 
pick up the card. You notice as you're holding it that it seems like it is reflecting or capturing light from a place that is not this bathroom. You have no idea how to make sense of that fact. But by the time that you attempt to make sense of that fact, something just suddenly feels off about your surroundings. Is this mayhap because I am only half in my surroundings, let's say? Yeah, pretty much. Your eyes glance just outside of the frame of these two cards now. And you realize the tiles that you are standing on right now aren't the tiles of the bathroom stall at Somnium. You recognize them, but at the moment, you're just like, why, where am I? And then you look up, and Ruth is fighting two men in suits right in front of you. And it takes you a while for you to realize you're in Monsieur and Rose's at this moment. How did you get here? Fucking dream magic. Yeah? It occurs to you all of a sudden that the cards just decided, you know what you need to be? Here, where things have already happened. (laughs) Before things keep happening again. Before you, you see Ruth almost single-handedly fighting two uh, masked men in suits. Vic is also engaged, but is more dramatically focused in this moment with ensuring that nothing happens to the other person who is also present, who you recognize very vaguely, somebody who has done work for you at Somnio previously. All of them are incredibly focused on the fact that this fight is happening, and there is somewhere to your left-hand side, somewhere in this room, there is a plume of colored smoke that is, like, still, like, that is slowly pumping through this room. And it looks to you very weirdly like it is not smoke, but as if it is the same kind of light that is coming from the second card that you just picked up. Where in MNR am I standing? You are standing somewhere, like, just a couple feet away from one of the non-plate glass walls of uh, Monsieur. Your back is against the wall. There is a, there is a table and two chairs to your, to your left and just a little bit behind you. And you are facing everybody else. Ruth and Vic... You kind of don't notice it at some point. It's not like someone just appeared. There's no, like, poof moment where someone is in the room. You just weren't looking, and then when you were looking, you realize, Cat's here. Not only is Cat here, Cat is still in her work clothes and doesn't have her purse with her. Yeah, that's gonna suck. What? Hey, Yoi. Do we have tablecloths in this place? No, we do not. And even if we did, Ruth would have put them away already because we were closing. Hmm. Hmm. How close am I to the biggest flower vase in here? Okay, so... (laughs) And I'm very sorry for for what I'm about to do, but it's better than what just happened to your window, so... (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, they've already broken through the window. At this point. Yes, but we undid at this that. Point, at this point, things need to keep breaking. Yeah, but we did unbreak it, but they would have already jumped back through the window. So the yes. hole is back there. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
there are really nice little flute vases on each of the tables, but I imagine... Is there a nice big motherfucker on display? If you went to the cache, yes. That's yeah. the one that Ruth glares over all the time. Mm-hmm. You would recognize it and you would know it immediately. There is like a large... It's The, the vase itself is almost as big as your head. And it has like six long stem roses in it. And, like lots of water. Perfect. Yeah, could- so, Cat grabs it. Dumps it out. Sorry, Ruth. And puts it over the smoke bomb the way you do when you trap a wasp under a glass. So instead of hotboxing the entire cafe with Dream in Vapor, we are just hotboxing the inside of this vase for now. Someone is going to have to get me a piece of cardboard to slide under this. Again, like we're dealing with a wasp. <laughs> just to clarify, has Vic already kicked the smoke bomb at this point and nope. thereby hit one of the people in the head? Nope, this is when the smoke bomb was first thrown. It is, it is now just lying unattended on the floor for the most part. So that means that Cat is the first person to approach it. So now it is covered with this vase. Cat, before you even start seeing anything happen to it, you just kind of realize something's going to happen to this vase, isn't it? And that's when you start like seeing it, it starts changing texture, it starts changing shape. So it briefly turns into an apple crate and then someone's, unturned, uh, someone's upturned shoe turns into a Dixie cup. It turns into like an, up, uh, an upside down full-size bathtub that's gonna keep happening for like a handful of seconds everything the base is turning into is still a container which is holding in this smoke and preventing it from hotboxing the place yes everything is still successfully holding it yes that was all i wanted nice ruth you're still successfully holding your own in this fight Um, i have a question because this is time shenanigans does it register to the non-time travelers in here that there is time shenanigans, or does Cat's appearance make perfect sense Actually. in their brains because of the time magic? Yeah, I um, also want people to know whether or not I to know whether or not everyone around me perceives that I just rewound them. <laughs> Vic doesn't need to roll to learn this, but I think Ruth does. Uh, how many dots does Ruth have in perceive? One in perceive. Okay. I would like you to roll perceive your position. I'm is... still fighting, huh? Yeah, you're still fighting. Nah. God, your position Ooh. is your position is nah, your position is risky. Okay. And your effect it's... is limited. Rolling one D six. You're gonna get an assist. Because Cat has taken care of the the gas, and suddenly we have numbers. So now Vic doesn't need to worry about kicking that aside. Yeah, so and has some bandwidth to help you. Instead, is going to slide over one of the cleared uh, one of the cleared tables and try to start flanking the masked people to give Ruth an assist. An assist uh-huh. to perceive the fact that Cat has rewound time. Uh, no, on the fight. I thought you were fighting. 
Oh no, I'm rolling perceive. <laughs> while but while perceive. the fight is Wait. happening, we are rolling perceive. I think this is a valid assist because this means that Ruth can be less focused on the fight and more focused on what the fuck yeah, just happened you know here. What? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Let it, let it ride. It depends. It depends on if Vic would want Ruth to know that time has happened. Because right now, Vic is the only one who does know. I will say that this things. is an assist, regardless of the the fact that Vic isn't even processing what what they're uh, attempting to assist you with. So you're okay. just gonna. <laughs> so your effect is now elevated from limited to standard. Okay. And One for those deep. of you at home, when Kat filled her playbook track at the la- end of the last session, the ability I took was Saw It Coming. You can expend your special armor to resist any consequence relating to surprise or misfortune to be in two places at once or perform some similar feat of time manipulation. And given that we have just retconned, what, the last half hour of, of our last session, this is a broken ability that I am going to take great joy in deploying. Definitely. So that is a three. A three. Vic knows this because Vic knows this. You have seen Kat do time shenanigans before. So it just strikes you as time shenanigans. You don't know exactly how it works, but you imagine at some point Kat engaged with time magic in order to be present. So the only thing that occurs to you at that, po- at that point is finally someone can help you all in this fight. Ruth... You're too taken aback by the fight to notice. It occurs to you that maybe at some point Kat just decided to pass through and you just didn't notice because you were fighting. So yeah. While all of this is happening, one of the two assailants locks eyes with you, Kat. They don't move, they're still fighting Ruth. But they're looking intently at you as if... They are not being burdened by physical engagement in another direction. What is the nearest thing to hand that isn't the vase I've I've just appropriated? There are at least three wooden chairs within arm's reach. (laughs) Kat picks up a chair and holds it so that the legs are pointing away from her and she charges the sky. (laughs) This is not a skill she has any dots in whatsoever, whatever you determine this skill to be, because Kat is... Not a physical fighter. Yeah. But that's angry. So to be sure, how many dots do you have in Defy in particular? Oh, none, none, none. Cool. Give me... We will roll 2d6. Your position is desperate. Your effect is limited. Oh, I'm getting some of that sweet desperate XP. You are. You rolled a 4 and a 1. And a 1. Um, and I am marking my desperate XP now. Oh, no. No, this um, is great. This means that I'll be able to work on and getting these skills later. So, you pick up the chair and charge this guy. And he very suddenly, almost as if not human, diverts all of his physical momentum away from Ruth and grabs the two back legs of this chair. And he is holding this chair as if you are not moving toward him. He is a a, a fully immovable object. And then he just takes, with each of these legs in his hands, he just pulls away from each side, and the chair literally splits in half as if it were a piece of paper he were tearing in half. 
and just takes those those chairs away from you and throws them out, throws them behind him. Then diverts all of his attention yet again to Ruth. The other guy, however, who's fighting Vic, sees all of that happening. You can't really tell anything because of the mask, but Vic, you get the impression that he responded in some fashion to this news. And actually is attempting to move away from you all of a sudden. Well, it's a good thing that I said that I was moving to flank, which would uh, mean I'm blocking uh, this person's exit. Okay, please give me a defy roll. Your position is risky, and your effect is standard. Let's hope that I can do things in roll 20 and it won't break the screen. Oh, that's a two. No! Aha! Uh-huh. You move to flank in order to get in this person's way, and you notice, and it feels very weird to you all of a sudden, and you're not sure if you just, in the heat of the moment, not truly experiencing everything that's happening, as this person is seemingly passing through you instead of passing around you, that he's grabbed the collar of the other assailant, the, the suit collar of the other assailant, and is dragging him back towards the window. And then you hear both of them mutter something. It doesn't sound like any language that you've ever heard before. And then they flip back out through the window and have immediately disappeared. So I guess my question is, in the first iteration of this fight, Ruth got kicked in the face. Did Ruth get kicked in the face this time? <laughs> Less times, and not as hard as the last time. You have been able to essentially focus on both of these assailants the entire time. They have not, they have not done any like overwhelming damage to you whatsoever. Okay. In that case, when the fight stills, he kind of reels around on his feet, takes in Vic, Cat, Dice... And then Nina dramatically screeching up <laughs> from the street, arriving because, in his mind, like Kat, she got the note from Vic saying, Hey, I'm gonna go bother Ruth. If I don't text in X and X amount of time, come here. And he looks at Vic and he goes, This is your fault. Wow. Could be, but we probably need to go anyway. Okay. I don't think it's safe to leave the smoke bomb here for whoever's opening tomorrow. By hey, the way, that's everybody, still... what's going on? Why is the window broken? Ruth gestures everybody out the front door. It's locked because he had locked up, but he gestures everybody out the front. Vic will have to unlock it and says, I'll deal with it. Go. Is the window broken? I'm really tired. Yeah, a lot of things are happening. So I'll just get back in, back in the van. Everything's okay. Oh, uh, careful with the the boxes back there. Do, wait, do I have boxes? Did I deliver them already? Oh my god, what day is it? Before, I guess Dice leaves last out of the group because Vic is leading the crew out. And then before Dice gets to the door, Ruth goes, Not you. You're staying inside by the front of the door until I'm done. Then I will walk you to the fucking truck. Dice smirks at you, but otherwise does not move. Ruth will take that. So I am 
cleaning the chair, I'm cleaning the glass, I'm boarding up the window, I'm wiping up the water, I'm putting the, <laughs> putting the face back where it's supposed to be. I'm texting my bosses about everything that happened. And also, just to clarify from last session, when I started work, I would have asked them what went on with the police person taking them away. So could I just have that information, assuming I would have gotten it at the beginning of my shift? As in, you asked the owners themselves? Um... Yes. I'm fine with them deflecting because God knows Ruth just says stuff whenever they <laughs> ask him, how did you break your face open again? <laughs> when, you, when you message them, they hesitate to reply for like a solid three quarters of a minute. And then you get a text from Kenneth saying, don't worry about it, it's fine. Do you know that that's not fine, but you also get the impression they're not going to tell you much more about it. Okay, so they said, don't worry about it, that's fine regarding the police stuff. And then mm. regarding this text that I just sent them about how some people broke a window and caused a fight on the floor and made a mess, I boarded up, blah, blah, blah. What, what do they respond? Several people are typing. Oh, I can't um, see that because I'm on a brick phone. <laughs> it seems like no response whatsoever. Then you get like eight or nine text messages that seem to appear all at once. Your phone's like literally like humming in your hand. And then mm -hmm. your phone starts ringing. From my bosses, I presume. Yes. Ruth puts the mop handle aside, sees that Dice is standing there and like walks nominally a couple steps away, but, like, keeps an eye on him in case he's a bad guy and, like, dashes out the door to, like, beat up his not-friends and picks up Ruth. What? What did you say just happened? This is Kenneth on the phone. Ruth searches for patience. Because he wrote it down. Surely you can reread a text if it confuses you the first time you read it. But he says... Two people broke a window and broke in and caused a fight and made a mess. I'm, I've boarded everything up. It's cleaned. Uh, just letting you know. Are you sure that, like, with all of that in mind, you, you're, you're still fine? I missed the first half of what Kenneth said. <laughs> I'm mostly concerned with you more so than the building. Ruth feels something in his chest that is not bad exactly and it's weird he doesn't think he's felt that feeling since he was a small child and he says I'm fine you hear him sigh and then he goes it's, you don't need to hang around for a building it's fine they didn't take anything uh, your safety is more important than that. You can head home now. All right. Um, I'll be in for my regular shift. There's voice in the background, but you have no idea what she's saying. It just she sounds very upset. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band, The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com.
Hi everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvaneleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.